there's a better way to answer on-farm questions with AgVisor Pro. Farmers are able to get answers now, not later, from an independent network of some of the best professionals in agriculture. Spend less time searching for those answers. Ask your question on the AgVisor Pro app and move faster and more confidently in your decision-making. Available on iOS and Android, head to the link in the show notes to download the AgVisor Pro app today. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today you'll meet Karen Dean. Karen is a Canadian best-selling author, motivational speaker, coach, entrepreneur, and proud single mother of three. With a background in dairy farming, Karen embarked on a new chapter of her life after selling her farm following the end of her marriage 11 years ago. Now a completely solo parent, she finds solace and rejuvenation in her hobby farm, which she lovingly refers to as her therapy farm. Karen's motivational speaking engagements are marked by her incredible resilience, positivity, and genuine storytelling. Her own life experiences serve as a foundation for her messages, emphasizing the importance of living one's best life. Through her work as a speaker, coach, and entrepreneur, Karen is dedicated to helping individuals reach their full potential and find fulfillment in both personal and professional realms. I am so grateful for Karen's vulnerability and sharing her story of resilience today with us here on the podcast. And I cannot wait for you to get to know Karen more and hear her story. I do not have a new listener review to share with you today. So this is your call to action. If you have not left the Rural Woman podcast, a review or a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere that you listen to the show, I would love if you could leave a kind rating and review for me to share on the show. This helps others find the Rural Woman Podcast, connect with us, and help us build a bigger, stronger, and resilient rural community. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to today's interview with Karen. Karen, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. How are you today? Thank you, Caitlin. I'm doing awesome today. It's finally spring. I'm excited. Right. It's been a long winter. 
It has. I found it here in Nova Scotia on the east coast of Canada. We didn't get a lot of snow, but I felt it was really dark. And I found that really affected a lot of people's moods. So I can relate to that. I'm happy to see the sun. Right. It's funny. You know, I've seen the memes online and it's totally true. Like the first day that you get like the high teen temperatures, like the seasonal depression just melts off of you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And the flip flops come out. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> All of the things. Yeah. We're in tag tops at 10 degrees. We're in <laughs> October at 10 degrees. We're putting our parkas on. So. <laughs> All of the people that live in warmer climates think we're nuts. And all of the people that are in the cold climates absolutely understand what we're talking exactly. about. <laughs> Karen, for the listeners who are unfamiliar with you, tell us about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and your connection to agriculture. I, like I said, I'm from the East Coast of Canada in beautiful Nova Scotia, which uh, if you've never been, it's worth the trip. It's a beautiful place to visit. And I am a former dairy farmer. Uh, We sold our farm just over 11 years ago. And I now have a hobby firm, what I call my therapy firm. I actually registered the business name Feel Good Firm. Haven't done anything with that business yet, but it's ready and waiting And I'm a solo mom to three children. I am an author. I have a Canadian bestselling book, which I'm super proud of. And what else do I do? I'm a motivational speaker. I am a coach. I kind of jack of all trades. I do whatever I can to try to live my own dreams and pay my bills. That's amazing. I think that is probably the definition of an entrepreneur. I will do anything to pay my bills. Yes. <laughs> At least that's my kind of entrepreneurship. Anyway. Yes. And and I think we're always, I know the word in COVID was pivot. And I think true entrepreneurs are always pivoting um, and trying to figure out what works and what isn't working and how to improve on whatever it is that we're doing. So right. yeah, that's, for sure. that's life. It is. It is for sure. So you mentioned being a former dairy farmer. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that time in your life of being a dairy farmer. I actually loved the dairy farm. A lot of people don't love the long hours and the 365 days a year commitment, but I really enjoyed a lot about the dairy farm. My favorite thing were the baby calves. I mean, who doesn't love baby animals? And it was a great way to raise children. It really um, taught my kids so much about work ethic, about compassion, about, you know, working with animals and that things get sick and that things are sometimes hard. And I think any kind of agriculture teaches kids so many life lessons about resilience and about real life and, you know, things die, things get sick. You know, there's just so many lessons, how things grow, how to care for things, the kindness that you need to give to animals like you should be giving to humans as well. So it was just an incredible way to raise a family. And I'm grateful for those years that I had. So did you grow up in agriculture at all or was this something that was new to you? I grew up in the community where I still live, which I was surrounded by agriculture, but my family wasn't a farm family, but I took every chance I could to go to a farm. Um, Many of my relatives worked on farms, so I would go stay at, I was like the youngest cousin out of all of the cousins, so I would go stay at their place for the weekend because they were adults while I was a kid. 
and hang out, cows, horses, every animal I could get near. I always loved animals. And our next door neighbor actually had a dairy firm, um, older couple. And, you know, we were over there when I'm a twin, I have a twin brother. And when we were little, we used to each grab one end of the bale because they were, the small square bales were too heavy for one of us. So we would follow the wagon around the field and try to throw the bale up. And we were so, you know, the bale weighed four times as much as we did, but we just wanted to help. And I'm sure that God loved that farmer. He, we were probably in his way more than we were helpful, but he let us, he let us in there. And, you know, we were next door playing in the hayloft all the time. And I just, I always wanted to be around animals and in the farm life. I always loved it. Right. I love how you said that you were probably more in the way than you were helping. I feel like that now. Um, yes. <laughs> I love to be out there helping, but I'm sure sometimes I'm more of a hindrance than I am a help. <laughs> well, uh, a funny story about when I first met my former husband, the dairy farmer, we were probably about three weeks into dating. And he said, um, I need somebody to bail that field. And I said, and? <laughs> and he said, well, I need to go milk. And I'm just wondering if you wanted to do that. And I said, I've never driven anything bigger than like a half ton truck before. Like how much is this farm equipment worth? He goes, yeah, $150,000, $200,000. I'm like, and you want me to drive it? And I, it was round bales on a hill. And I said, well, I don't know. Like I don't back trailers up and things. And he goes, you got this. And he gave me it was, I think, a nine minute lesson going as fast as he could drive in the tractor saying, you do this, you do this, you do this, you back up, you do that. And like, he's the worst teacher on the planet. <laughs> and I'm like, I have no idea what you just said. And he goes, okay, I got to go milk. And I had to figure out round bailing basically with very little instruction with a toddler in the tractor with me because he was my second husband. So I had two kids that were just little. I guess my son would have been five. And uh, it was quite a learning curve, but I figured it out. And what I learned and maybe many uh, farm women who have married into a farm could relate to is you should probably pretend not to be able to do something because when you do it well the first time, then you're expected to do more. And so then, <laughs> then I got all the jobs in that tractor because I figured out how to run it. And, you know, I ended up doing a lot more of the farm work than I ever expected I would be doing. Right. The rest is history. Yes. Um, two things on that. One, the advice piece. Absolutely. Um, that was advice that was uh, given to me very early on that uh, if I learned how to do something, I would be doing something. However, you know, I, I like doing those things, which is good, right? Yes. And if you do like it, great. If you don't, take the advice. Yes. And second, I have to say it was probably at that moment that your former husband was like, this is the lady that I'm going to marry. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> she was like, she's willing to jump in and figure it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to talk about, you know, the end of your marriage. This is something that we discussed before we hit record. Divorce in agriculture is something that can be kind of taboo. And it's something that we don't talk about a lot. Divorce happens. We live in the age of 2023. And unfortunately, sometimes things don't work out for one way or the other, whether it's good or bad. But divorce in farm families is 
is a big deal in the sense that you're not only a family unit, you're also a business. So talk to us about that time and walk us through, you know, what you're willing to share. Our divorce happened very quickly and abruptly because of a situation that was um, really hard to deal with as a family. And I was thrown into, I have to figure out this farm on my own with no one to help. And because of the circumstances of the divorce, his family was not willing to help me either. It was turned into a whole family dispute. And I had three little kids and the oldest, I guess not little, the oldest was 14. And I'm trying to deal with this with no support. And I think sadly that happens in a lot of situations where it was his family farm. I'm the outsider and the outsider is the one who gets blamed for all the things when none of it was actually my fault. And it was really hard. And it was hard for my kids uh, because they knew that life was going to change dramatically. They knew that because of the circumstances, we would have to sell our farm and that we would be starting fresh again. And as I said, he was my second husband. So we had already started fresh once with my two older kids. It was really, really hard. And it's still hard because I still live in the same community. I still am surrounded by the people, by his family and the stories that have been told over the years that are not true. But I have not defended myself within the community because I just thought, you know what, I don't have the breath or the energy for that. And I'm going to live my best life regardless of the stories that people care to share. I feel the stories they share reflects more on who they are than who I am. And it's it's been the biggest growth I think I've ever had in my life is the last 11 years of this and figuring out how to parent my kids completely on my own, how to you know raise them to be good humans and contribute to this world in a positive way. And now my kids are 25, 22, and 15, and incredible humans, incredible. Like, I'm so proud of them. And that was the goal for me. I didn't care what else happened as long as my kids were happy and good humans. The way that you described the last 11 years and used the word growth versus, you know, it was, you know, anything else. Yes. I think it's it's so important to hear because I know in those times where it feels like the world is falling in on you to pivot as, you know, the word that we hate to say in 2023 after however many years of having to say it, to know that there's growth on the other side, to know that there's good things that will come. Um, because I know there are a lot of people and I'm going to pigeonhole women in this conversation. There are women in marriages on farms that think this is it for me. This is the only thing that I have. I have my family and I have my farm. And if I leave here, there's nothing left for me. You are a living proof that there is more to that, right? There is. There is so much more. And you have to look. Sometimes this is what I say, do my talks with you know, on stage and when I coach women is you have everything you need inside of you to get through whatever the world throws at you. And there's always something good in every situation. Sometimes you just have to look a little harder than you think. And that's 
what I got out of that divorce is I have had the best life, really. My life has improved so much since that divorce because I was being held back. I was being controlled. I was being, you know, everything I did, I gave up my career to help on the farm. I would have a federal government job with a pension if I had stayed in the job I had. And I gave all that up to run the firm. And I wasn't me anymore. I wasn't who I wanted to be. I was his helper. And, you know, I did all of the business side of the firm. He kind of did the operational side of the firm. And, you know, I was told where to be, what tractor to be in. You know, oh, by the way, go home and cook a meal now because we're all hungry, but you better get back here quick because you still have to drive the tractor. You know, a lot of people can probably relate to that and some people love it. And I did love the work, but I didn't love the being controlled. And I didn't love that none of, I didn't have a say in anything I did anymore. And that's where it got really hard. And so now I do, and now I'm living the life I've always wanted. Yeah. And I will say, like, the situation that you described, I think a lot of women can say, well, that is my life. That is what I do. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I think the piece that is so pivotal is the appreciation factor that can go both ways from that, right? Like feeling appreciated for doing those things versus that piece not being there, then that's definitely where I feel like the controlling feeling can come because I think... And I think that's in any marriage, even non-firm related. It's, is there back and forth? Is there that, like you said, that appreciation? It's a partnership, right? Yeah, for what you bring to the relationship, how you contribute, and it goes both ways. Absolutely. So, you know, the breakdown of, of the marriage, the selling of the farm, we know that you were able to persevere and uh, make your way on to your, what you called your therapy farm. So talk to us about that process of, of once the farm was sold, what was next for you? Well, I wanted to move out of this community because it was, you know, like I said, a lot going on. And my son at the time was, I think, 13, 10, I don't know. No, he was 10. So he would have been like 11 or 12. And to move, he would have had to switch school districts. And he said, mom, I don't want to switch schools. I don't want to move. And because they were going through such a hard time, I decided, okay, fine. We'll stay here. We're going to make this work. So I kept a piece of land from the firm. Again, that caused a big rift in the family because I am the only one left with a piece of the firm. (laughs) And I built a new house as a newly single mom. I built a house in the barn and bought some cute animals. And I always wanted horses my whole life. And I was never allowed to have horses. Even as an adult, I was told, no, you can't have horses. So I bought two horses and had, you know, the the life that I wanted. And my kids and I, you know, built this house together. I was the general contractor. I made all the decisions. I hired the builders and the kids got to watch that and participate in it. And I, I said, this is the first home I've ever lived in that I could say is mine. It wasn't somebody else's before it was mine. And that was never thrown in my face that, no, this isn't your house. This is our house. This is my house. This is the house I grew up in, whatever the case was. So 
it really meant a lot to us to be able to do that, my, myself and my kids, as a family, to build what we dreamed and what we wanted. And it's, it's just a beautiful story, really. And it's, like I said, it's our therapy firm. Anyone who has animals knows that to sit in a barn and listen to animals chew hay is probably the most therapeutic sound in the world. Anyone who doesn't live on a farm does not understand that. And uh, I just, I love every minute of it. Tell us more about your animals and all of the critters you have there. I currently only have one horse. It is my daughter's show horse. It's a quarter horse and she's only four. So she's still kind of learning how to be a horse. So her name is Nora. And my critters, as I call them, or they're sometimes called the babies, but we have a miniature horse, a miniature donkey who have never been apart in their lives. They were born on the same farm and I bought them when they were weaned and brought them home here. And they're now seven years old. And I have three Nubian goats who, same story, I bought them as weanlings. They've never been apart. They've never been away from the minis. And their names are Calvin, Jeffrey, and Danny. And... Um, they just all have such unique personalities and uh, the donkey is the most perceptive I think of all of them. If you're having a bad day and I lock them in at night and let them out during the day and when you go to let them out in the morning if you aren't mentally feeling well he will stand across in front of you and won't let you get past him until you hug him and once he feels you relax he will walk away and let you open the door. And it's funny because my daughter does most of the chores now. And she comes in, she goes, donkey's stupid. And I said, he's just trying to help you. Right. And she goes, he wouldn't get out of my way. And I said, that's because he needed a hug or you needed a hug. So either way, yeah. donkey hugs are never a bad thing, I don't think. <laughs> no, he's the best. So how did you then, you know, you former dairy farmer and now a thriving entrepreneur with so many different titles and so many different hats. What propelled you into the career that you have today? Well, I've always been an entrepreneur. I always had some kind of small business since I was a little girl, but I started a clothing company when we still had the farm actually, which was focused on selling clothing, promoting agriculture and rural living. Kind of wound that down now because uh, rate, let me think, right before COVID. So in 2019, I decided, you know what? I'm going to live the life that I want. I'm going to live my dreams. I'm going to do the things that everyone said I could never do or shouldn't do, or who did I think I was to even think I could do those. And I quit my job. I worked at, um, at the school at the time with special needs children. I left that job and sold a rental house that I had to hopefully, you know, be able to pay my bills while I started living my dream. And I started sharing my story more and helping other women to be more resilient. I titled myself a resilience expert. And I've been speaking on stages and mostly virtually for the last three years to inspire mostly women, but really anybody that, like I said, you have everything you need inside of you to get through even the hardest things in life and, you know, help with mindset, help with self-love. Help with all the things we don't think about when we're younger. I feel like there's kind of a movement now that people are thinking more about mindfulness. But when I was 20, 25, 30, I didn't think about those things. And I wish I knew then what I know now. Right. And like you said, I think people really doubt themselves 
in what they have and what they need to be able to do any of these things. I myself am somehow a public speaker now, and (laughs) I was the most introverted person in the whole world. And I've shared this story before. You know, I had a former boss that told me that I was more of a behind the scenes person. I didn't like I shouldn't be out there. I shouldn't be the person to share the stories and all of the things. And I really took that to heart. And, you know, those words stick with you. And I think there's people that have those hurt past hurts that they hold on to. But knowing that we are resilient and we can move past those things and the stories that others have told us or the stories that we tell ourselves, most of the time they aren't facts. So we can move move past them. Tell us more about your best-selling book. I want to know all about it. First, I want to go back to kind of what we just talked about, but and share a tool that actually a fellow farm woman gave me who was a life coach at the time. And what started my journey to get to where I am was while I was going through that difficult divorce, I went to her session, finally decided to invest in myself. It was a whole $150, which is pretty minimal right now. And the The thing that was worth more than $150 to me was a postcard that she gave me when I was telling her all the things that had happened in my life and how I was kind of blaming everybody else. And she asked me how I contributed to these things. And I was like, what do you mean? Like these people were horrible to me. And she gave me a tool and it's, it's a postcard that I still have in my bathroom. And she said, put this in your bathroom by your mirror and say these words to yourself every single day in the mirror. And it took me over two years to be able to do that. And when I say the words, you'll understand why. And I think, and I know actually, a lot of women have a hard time saying them because I do this when I do talks on stage and there are always tears. The words are, I deeply and completely love myself. And we have a hard time saying that out loud to ourselves in the mirror and looking yourself in the eye. And when I speak on stage, I get people to say that three times out loud. And it's hard. Can we do it right now? We can. I was going to say, I love that. Is that cheesy? Can we do it right now? Because everybody already knows that I'm Misty before you even said it out loud. The (laughs) tears were coming. I was like, she's going to say something. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And um, it's on my. We would like everyone to participate. Yes. Please repeat with us. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. I deeply deeply and and completely completely love love myself. myself. Ready again? I I deeply deeply and completely completely love myself. myself. One more time. I can see the tears. Say it like you really mean it. Like, really. Put some, like, real oomph in it. Okay. Let's go. I deeply and completely love myself. How are you feeling? So good. Thank you. Thank you. And there's a download on my website of like a little graphic of that. If um, people want to go on, we'll give that information later. But you can download that to put it in your bathroom by your mirror. And uh, I can, I encourage people to give that tool to their children. I think, you know... I think women and women in agriculture specifically, I can talk to this because I am one, you are one, the people who are listening are them. We have such a hard time showing the same love for ourselves 
as we do our children, our partners, our animals, our land, our everything. And, you know, doing something as simple as that to bring us back to ourselves, I think is just, it's so simple, but it's so important. So thank you. And it's you. so powerful. Right. And thank I you. have to say it literally changed my life Yeah, to, to start that practice and to do it on a regular basis. It has changed my life. Yeah. It has changed everything that I ever thought I would be able to do. Amazing. Like have a Canadian bestselling book. Yes. <laughs> Tell us all about it. So the book is called We Are Unbreakable. And I actually published it while my 19-year-old son was going through chemotherapy. I published it the day after his 20th, 20th birthday. And so my son was diagnosed with a rare and aggressive form of cancer during COVID. And it was one of the harder things I've been through in my life because of the COVID restrictions, I was not allowed to go in the hospital with him when he was having his treatments. So anyone who has a 19-year-old born in their lives probably understands they are not adults. They are technically considered adults, but they are not mentally, like maturity-wise, not adults. So I had to leave my boy, who's my only son, and, you know, in the hospital and go back out to my truck and sit in a parking lot while he had cancer treatment. And I woke up one morning with this voice in my head who I attribute to my friend Gina, who was lost in the horrible mass shooting that we had here in Nova Scotia in 2020. And I heard her voice say, you need to publish that book. You need to write a book. And I've said for years I was going to write a book. It wasn't this book. It was other books. But I um, started calling, texting, emailing women who I know. I'm fortunate to have a wonderful network of women and say, could you please share your story of 2020 and I need it by next week. And I was able to gather the most incredible stories from women about our experience because COVID, I think, brought a very different world to women than it did to men because we went backwards in a lot of ways to being the host wife, the one who had to pick up all the slack. And I know the first two stories are both farm women in the book, both named Amy. And uh, because I organized it by uh, name, alphabetically by first name. So both Amy's are farm women and the, the first two stories, but they are the farmers. They're not the wives, they're the farmers and they need to be out running equipment and they can't take little kids with them. So as farm women, we often rely on school to look after our kids for the day or some sort of childcare. But in COVID, we didn't have that either of those options. We were all of a sudden homeschooling our kids, trying to run our businesses, trying to pick up all of the extra roles. And for the most part, I feel women did that more than the men. And I wanted to really share those stories of what we as women went through. And I thought, you know what, this is something that future generations are going to want to read and go, wow, these are incredible women who have been through all of this and still come out strong. And that's really the message of all the stories is this really sucks, but there is good in this. And all 22 of them, and I have that similar theme. That's amazing. Well, and for them to be able to openly share their stories, you know, that is 
credit in itself uh, that we as women, we know that our stories are valuable and they're worthy of being shared. Um, and, you know, lucky to have entrepreneurs like you who are able to get those stories out there. And I think it was beneficial to say, I need them next week. Because if we think too much about our stories and who might read them and, you know, what people might think, then we share a different story. So I think by giving them a very short deadline, I got the best stories and I published the book 41 days after I came up with the idea for it. So it was quick. Yeah. And that's what I do when I need a distraction from hard things is I do something like publish a book. and. It's just so powerful and it really took off because so many of us at that time felt so alone. And this book made us come together and every, everyone, anywhere, any age group can relate to at least one story in this book. I guarantee it. So it's just, it's incredible to be able to have turned all these women into now published authors. None of them are professional writers. One of them has published a book since this, and you know she was a journalist and on TV her whole career, so it wasn't a big step out for her. But a lot of them are just regular women who never dreamed of being published authors, and I was like, nope, I would need you to write my story. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's incredible. And the stories, I've got some reviews that are like, this book could have used an editor, but I didn't want to edit their voices. I wanted their stories to be so authentic. And well, the subtitle is Raw Real Stories of Resilience. And they are their real stories in their words that they wrote. And I, like I said, they're not professional authors. They're not professional writers. And I wanted to keep their voices as their own. So yes, could have used an editor, but then it wouldn't have been raw and real. Absolutely. Hey, it's my it's my kind of storytelling. I probably could use a bit. I could use an editor more or less, you know, of what I'm saying versus how I sound because editor Max does an amazing job <laughs> to make us sound good. But <laughs> how is your son today? He is incredible. He uh, he actually has an even bigger story because when he was uh, eight weeks old, I was told that he was born with a permanent brain injury and would probably never be able to walk or talk. He does walk and talk. He is as normal as boys get. That's a joke. You know, anyone with boys, sometimes they don't seem that normal. Boy moms, no. Yes, <laughs> boy moms, no. So he's incredible. And another uh, kind of lesson I like to share is as he was growing, he had a lot of developmental challenges. And I used to tell him there's no such thing as I can't. There's only I don't want to. And I think he took that lesson, um, you know, because he conquered everything and, you know, went through school just like everybody else. And now he's 19 and has, he went to the hospital for the first time by himself to be told that he most likely had cancer. And he had such a positive attitude through all of that. And I think it was that lesson from when he was a little boy of there's no such thing as I can't that got him through cancer so well. He had the least side effects I've ever seen of anybody. Six rounds of chemotherapy, 25 rounds of radiation, and barely any side effects. So it's incredible how our mindset can change our outcome, even with an illness like cancer. 
but he's now in remission. He's back to work. He drives a giant haul truck at a gold mine. Uh, he's, you know, living a normal life. And that's, that's all I could ask for. That's amazing. I want to also, I think your, your family, your children, you know, the word that comes to mind is resilience. They've been through a lot. You've been through a lot and you've all come out on the other side. You know, I only think can be better people. I think when you go through these hard things and honestly, we can say this as a, on a global stage, we're, we're living through, we've lived through a global pandemic. There's not a lot of, you know, older generations that can say that, that we're aware of that have said, we lived through a global pandemic, but you've all come out, you know, stronger people. I want to give a shout out and a mention to one of your daughters who is also a published author. So tell us more about her book. Well, uh, her book is called Sadie's Story and it's all about how it's okay to be different and kind of the power of unconditional love, which we all feel for our animals. So Casey wanted to buy her horse, Nora, that is now in the barn. She had an older horse that wasn't as fancy for anyone who shows horses. You know, you want them to be fancy. Anyone who shows cattle, it's the same thing. So she wanted this new horse. This horse was only two years old um, from one of the better breeders in the Maritime Provinces. And she was just in love with her. And I said, you know what? If you want a new horse, you have to come up with a way to help me pay for it you are 13 years old, you can do something. So we brainstormed what 13-year-olds could do to make money and did a Google search. And actually one of them was write a book. And she said, well, mom, you published a book last year. That looked super easy. It wasn't super easy, but anyway. (laughs) uh, And she said, I could write a book. I said, okay, go write a book. And that morning she wrote a story about uh, Sadie, who was the old horse. And how she moved to a new barn and kind of her experience with being different at that new barn, which I think a lot of us feel when we go into a new situation and feel like maybe we don't fit in. And it's just a really cute little story. And it was illustrated by another Nova Scotian young woman who grew up in Pony Club and is now an artist. And it's just so much fun. And to see her shine and to you know, empower such a young person to do such a cool thing. So um, I love that for her. And I'm so proud of her for for doing that. And it sadly caused her a little bit of grief at school because kids don't always speak kindly about someone who's done something big and different. So she has dealt with some negative comments at her school, but we're working through that. More life lessons, more growth opportunities. So it is available on Amazon. It's even in some chapter stores. It's in some small like tax shops and things like that all across the country. And if anyone listening has a store and would love to sell it, just let us know. We'll get them to you. Buy her damn book. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she hasn't paid for the horse yet. (laughs) She's still paying me back for the horse. We we will have the links in today's show notes uh, for your book as well uh, as Sadie's story and all of the things. So it's going to be very easy for all of the listeners to find these and find more information about you and all of the things. And I would like to do a shout out to my older daughter because I didn't get to mention her yet. She's also incredible. Shortly after the divorce started, she had her 
lung collapse at school one day when she was 14 years old. And when she was 15 years old, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Incredible child, went on to graduate from high school with high honors, um, $30,000 in scholarships, has put herself through college, has bought a house, bought her own car, is 25 now and has a management job in health. And it's just doing incredible things. So I want to make sure I mention all three of them because I'm so proud that I got to be their mom. And they got you as their mom. So all of the good things. I, I think it was meant to be. Absolutely. Are you a woman who works in or has an interest in agriculture? Do you find yourself longing for a supportive community that understands the unique challenges you face in the industry? Well, look no further than the AgVisor Pro Women in Agriculture community. AgVisor Pro is here to welcome you with open arms, whether you're a farmer, rancher, researcher, or advocate for agriculture. Their goal is to create a vibrant community where women can come together, ask questions, share experience, and exchange knowledge and resources. The team at AgVisor Pro recognizes the strength and resilience of women in agriculture. They understand that you deserve a platform to empower and inspire you to succeed in your career. By joining this community, you'll have the opportunity to build meaningful relationships with other women in the industry and together advocate for the future of agriculture. At AgVisor Pro, they firmly believe that by uniting as a collective, we can support each other's growth, learn from one another's experience, and ultimately cultivate a stronger and more inclusive agriculture industry. AgVisor Pro welcomes women of all ages, backgrounds, and skill level who share the same passion for agriculture. Whether you're a seasoned professional or just starting out, you'll find a place where your voice is heard and your journey is celebrated. So join the AgVisor Pro Women in Agriculture community today by heading to the link in today's show notes to download the AgVisor Pro app and experience the power of a supportive network that believes in your potential. Together, we can cultivate a brighter future for women in agriculture. Karen, my last question for you. And my most favorite question to ask, what is the most rewarding part about being a rural woman for you? The most rewarding part, I think, is and I say, is raising kids in that environment, is being able to let your dogs outside to run and play and not have to worry about you know the neighbors and to give your kids that freedom to do the same and to to be able to teach them the life lessons that you cannot learn anywhere else. Like I said, about kindness and caring for animals and the the good and the bad about life and death. You know, it's just every day there's a, some kind of lesson to teach when you have a farm. And I'm just so glad that I got to raise my kids in it. And I'm so grateful for everything it has done for them and for me. Amazing. And I am grateful. And I can say we are grateful for you sharing your story with us today. And I'm... Thank you. It's a pleasure to get to know you. You too. I'm so glad to be here. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? On all social media um, platforms, I'm just at Karen Dean Speaks. And if you go on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, you will find me just by searching that. 
And uh, my website, also super easy, is karendeanspeaks.com. Perfect. And all of those will be in the show notes, including links for the books and all of the good things. So again, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. I truly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim & Co. Online. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story. This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by the patrons of the Rural Woman Podcast. This amazing group of individuals contribute financially to the Rural Woman Podcast to ensure the stories of women in agriculture hit your earbuds each and every week. Want to join them in supporting the stories of women in agriculture while getting access to extended episodes, patron-only episodes, and other great perks? Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon.